Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. It's an absolute pleasure today to have uh, the infamous Ben Kumar on the podcast. So, legendary nutritionist coach and uh, podcast podcaster, a specialist. So, thank you very much for being on the show. Cheers, dude. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've not been described as infamous before. <laughs> Notorious? Notorious. Um, do we put a BRG after that? <laughs> we already start with the band until we've only just begun. <laughs> Sounds good anyway. It does. It does indeed. So um, so if anyone who doesn't know who you are, Ben, what, what is it you do and where are you from? And just give us a little bit of a background. Yeah, of course. Um, hopefully my sound's just improved. I've actually only just plugged in my microphone. <laughs> um, podcasting 101. You wouldn't have thought I'm a podcaster, hey. Um, so yeah, I'm primarily a, a nutritionist. I, like many people, straddle sort of fitness, mindset, uh, speaking. I have a podcast. But nutrition for me has always been a focal point because I saw the power of it in my own life. Um, I was obese as a young guy, left school, wanted to kind of chase a career and I felt that I couldn't be successful looking and feeling the way that I did. So that caused me to embark on a journey of, you know, trying to improve myself, trying to lose weight, trying to, you know, get some confidence back that I I felt I would lost. And, you know, maybe I'd never really had it as a teenager, you know, it's always a troublesome year uh, or period of time in your life. And I struggled a lot with food. Like it just didn't really make sense. I was following all the advice and then it was when a couple of like things just fell into place that I just uh, I lost five and a half stone in about six months. And it was that kind of process where I was like, ah, and kind of that's always just had me really interested in food. Did you find out of interest that there was one trigger point that suddenly made you think you need to like make a change? Because I know I personally, like this is fascinating. This, this is very similar to my own story. Like I remember as like, by the mid teens overhearing my parents talk about me being overweight and like needing to sort it out. And that like from that moment almost probably like kickstarted a, like a, maybe not a warped mindset, but probably put a seed in my mind that it was something I needed to try and address. And like, and it took me quite a while to get to the point where I could start to get it under control. If that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting that because uh, there's awful lot of conversation at the moment in the fitness industry about kind of, body confidence, the shame that seems to be in the industry around people being overweight. You've got this obesity campaign by, you know, Cancer Research UK. There's an awful lot of people saying that like shame doesn't work, but actually I think any approach works for a lot of different people. Like you overheard a conversation, you felt quite bad. You were like, well, actually I'm going to act on this. And the reality is that some people act on what needs to change and some people don't act on what needs to change. And don't get me wrong, there's a plethora of, um, of reasons there. But I can't remember your original question, so I've just gone off on a tangent. No, I think the guys be fair, we've just gone off rock and roll. But it's quite an interesting uh, tunnel to go down, though, to be fair. And I, I, I think that, in my opinion, but not necessarily a shame society, but like, it's a bit like that whole like third place trophy sort of phenomenon that goes, it's starting to go on a bit where people just get like a gold medal for turning up. Like you have to give people a reason to be successful and to try and look a certain way and have some accountability and responsibility for their own lives. If that makes sense, in my own opinion, it's probably a bit harsh, but like 
the, the world isn't sunshine and rainbows in that respect. And like, you sometimes have to be cruel to be kind if it's in people's own interests. Oh, you do. And it's a hard thing for a lot of people to do because culturally, like you've said, it's, it's kind of been beaten out of us a bit. But the thing is, like, let's be honest, like facts are facts. Like if someone is staring down the barrel of being six stone overweight and they've got health problems, you're six stone overweight and you've got health problems. Like there's no point us beating around the bush. Like the reality is the reality. And someone chooses to go down that path or they choose to change that path and change the course of their health, their weight, their fitness, etc. Um, so I, I, I do genuinely as a coach uh, believe and subscribe to having quite a direct approach. I do feel it is a skill to be direct, but also tactful. You know, when I'm direct with it's someone. Fine, it's a fine balancing act. Yeah. But I'm also like kind in that approach. I'm not just kind of being nasty. And you know, there's plenty of people that are direct and nasty. Um, but people need to hear like where they're at. I want to hear where I'm at. Like if I'm doing something wrong, I want someone to be able to tell me like, mate, like you, you're doing it wrong. Like do, you know, do it this way. Or have you thought about that? Or actually, mate, I'm calling bullshit on your own on your own truth here. Like that what you're saying is not being reflected in your actions. And uh, I want to, I want to see that more in society in general. And, you know, it's like social media snowflake syndrome, like everyone gets hurt by every comment these days. It's like, again, if the facts stack up, the facts stack up. Yeah, I agree. And I think the same thing comes across with like, you're saying like, I think people almost need to open themselves up for criticism to try and improve, like in all aspects of life. And even like the same thing with my own training or whatever, like, I always ask people's feedback on everything I do, whether I necessarily listen sometimes or not, um, is open for how I feel at the time. But um, I'm always looking for feedback to try and improve. And I think that's where sometimes people are too afraid to have people have up their own opinions, if that makes sense. Yeah, success is a funny thing. And I don't feel that people spend enough time looking to model behavior and character traits and the journey that essentially someone needs to go on. So if we were going to talk about uh, um, someone's body and they looked at you and they're like, right, what does this do? eat? How does he train? Okay, cool. Well, I don't want to quite get to where he is. So I don't need to quite take the approach that he does. But I kind of need to model a lot of my diet and my training and my behavior on what this Charlie dude is doing. Cause otherwise I'm not going to get close to that point in time. Um, so, it's important to look at people's behavior. Like I am a business owner. So I look at other businesses and say, right, I'm going to model the kind of things that that guy's doing and the things that that guy, guy's learned. And that's why I really like autobiographies. You know, when you read it, you see the pain that people have been through. You've seen the struggles. You've seen criticism that people have had to take on board. You've seen the failure that people have gone through. And I think that reinforces and gives you confidence that those are the steps that you have to go through because without criticism, without failure, without going through these processes, without being true to yourself, you won't ever really improve. Um, you won't challenge yourself. You won't become your best self. And ultimately, why is someone listening to this podcast? They're probably here for self-development. They want to better themselves. Well, bettering yourself starts with, you know, really looking at the truth and asking hard questions of yourself. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think sometimes the hardest person to be brutally honest with is yourself. And uh, that's a difficult thing to sometimes let settle in, I think. Well, it's easy to tell yourself a nice little story. 
you know, yeah. you know, I won't do that because it's cold or I won't do that because it hurts or I won't do that because I ain't got enough money or whatever. Or, or I need some extra carbs because I did an extra set of legs today or whatever it might be. Like you, you can make anything else up you like and tell yourself whatever you want. Basically. Exactly. Um, and that's why I always tell people like have someone that you can have an honest conversation with that will call you out on your bullshit. Like if not write a journal, if not pause to take thought, because I would be honest in the modern world, again, I don't think we spend enough time just being reflective, like looking at what we're doing, looking at the plan. If you get to the end of the week and you're pissed off with your results, were you now going to spend half an hour looking at why that is? Or are you just going to cry into the, into the ice cream tub as you watch another film on Netflix? It's like, no, if you're unhappy with your outcome at the end of the week, sit down, take well, stock. How did, how did training go? How did you, your diet go this week? Like what, what were the points of friction? Like where did you kind of mess up? Cool. Well, let's identify with that, don't don't just be pissed off about it. Let's just correct it, change the course of action. And I don't think we do enough of that these days. It's like weight loss. Oh, I want to lose weight. All right, awesome. How much time have you spent on that problem in the last week? Oh, not much. Done a couple of Google searches, watched a video. Like, well, don't don't expect to solve that problem in a meaningful way if you haven't given it a meaningful amount of time. Yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't prioritized the task, then the task's not going to get done. It really is as simple as that. Um, yep. I'm, that's why I'm a big fan of like, I'm a bit of a list geek. I love writing a list every day of these, this, this, these are like the hot list of things that have to get done today, whether it's training, business, whatever it is. And then you've got a list of other stuff that if you've got time, you can try and fit in or squeeze in. And those other, the, the hot list just has to get done. And that for me, it's like an easy way for me to almost manage my life. If that makes sense. And almost like a, a stress-free way to do it because you take, the things that need to be done out of your brain and just put them onto paper and then you can visualize what needs to be done. Mate, man after my own heart, I'm exactly the same. I, li- I have a list for everything, training, diet, business, everything. On, on another note, another way I find quite an easy way to cope and try and find, cope not necessarily the right way of word, but find um, feedback. It's, I'm a big fan of, like, obviously we both coach ourselves, but I'm also coaching pretty much every aspect of my life and what I do because I like, and respect uh, certain people's opinions in specific fields. So I've got people who help me from a business point of view, with my own training, with my own diet, like health, just so I've got other people's opinions to bounce ideas off so that I can't tell myself my own lie of, oh, yeah, you're doing really great today, when someone will pull me up and be like, no, this is shit, you need to sort your life out. Um, I don't know if you've got a similar sort of thought process of how you sort of work then. Yeah, um, I think having mentors and coaches are really important. It's funny in the fitness industry, quite often when I uh, teach, I ask trainers, I'm like, how many of you in here have got a personal trainer? And not many people put their hands up. And I'm like, well, how are you going to experience what personal training is, especially from someone that is three, four, five years ahead of you? Ultimately, we're all all moving somewhere, like whether it's mind, nutrition, business, mindset, who's coaching you with that? Like, where are you getting your advice from? Books are great. Podcasts are great. They get, they, but they only give you so, get you so far. When you are speaking to someone that's got five, six, 10, 12, 20 years on you, they're imparting all that wisdom onto you. And that's the hard thing about kind of mentorship and coaching. It might cost you 30, 50, 80, 100, 150 pounds an hour. But how much value could you get for that? And sometimes I don't think people really appreciate it. And you've got to take a few punts. You've got to experience it. Like I, I charge um, 
a certain amount per hour and some people will go, Ooh, that's a little expensive. And I'm like, get on Skype with me and I bet you get the answers that you need within about 20 minutes. This is, this is a saying I love is just don't, uh, don't think what will cost, think what will it cause? Like, I think people are too afraid to invest in themselves. Like for me, I will spend money willy nilly on anything to try and improve myself. And I don't, I don't, have, I don't know if you agree. I don't think I've ever spent money on something to help me improve physically or mentally, and it hasn't paid off like dividends in the long run. Hundred percent. But you, like, you, you got to dip your toe in the water. You got to have a little try. You've also got to have a few failed experiences as well. Like, don't get me wrong. I've had bad coaching sessions, but at least a bad coaching he- session helps you realise a good coaching session and a good mentor. So, you know, sometimes a little bit of failure there is a good thing as well. So the law of relativity and things like that. 100%. You can't have the, uh, the good days without the bad. No, um, you can't. Um, and just, you got to chalk it up and move on. Um, but you know, I, I just, I love being able to sit on uh, a Skype with someone and that's a beautiful thing about podcasting. Like you get an opportunity to, you know, pick someone's brain and have a little insight and get their experience. And it is so valuable. I don't really read that many books anymore. I generally have a problem. I find the person I think that can fix it. I'm like, cool. I want an hour of your time. Let's jump on a phone call. And the reality is I have the answer to my question within an hour. And yes, it's cost me more, but it saved me time. And time is the most valuable resource we all have. So I can take two months to read a book or I can get on a call and find it out within 20 minutes and then just take action. Yeah, I think what you, the time, time is everything. And the thing I think a lot of people don't realize is what else you could have done with those two months of time. You, you're so much further down the line already because you've already got that information straight away directly from the source. Yep, 100%. What, um, is there any books or anything in particular or podcast that you're a big fan of other than your own that you find that are good for anyone, anyone listening to absorb any information from? Or where, do you, where do you go when you're looking for like, mindset inspiration or anything like that in particular? Is anyone you're, you're big into? Yeah, um, you started off with a really broad question. You started to narrow it down towards the end because yeah. it's really tough. Like people ask me that online. They're like, what books do you like? And I'm like, what category are we talking about? Like, <laughs> the context of it, yeah. Um, one of my favorite, like two of my favorite ever, just like pure out and out self-development books. Uh, first one is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Yeah. If you can get into the mindset that they talk about in that book, then I think you'll be bulletproof in life. I love second that man speak as well. When you see him speak, he's so passionate. Yes. Uh, and just like he rises you up just through his energy. Oh, love it. Um, second one is, um, uh, what is it? The seven habits of highly influential people. And it's basically just uh, a life book. It's, it's not really a business book. Yes, it will make you great at business, but it talks about, being the best dad that you can be if you've got kids, being the best human that you can be, being the best communicator in your relationship. It's just a great book about life. So those two that I'm a massive, massive fan of. Right. I think that's, um, I think modeling is something I'm quite a big fan of trying to find people who you aspire to achieve what you want to achieve instead of just trying to model yourself on them. And then almost like trying to behave and, do the actions of the person that you want to be, if that makes sense. I think it's quite a good way to conduct your life. Yeah. And you might only model for a month, but you might model for five years. It depends what you're trying to achieve. If someone was trying to achieve a six pack, 
they might model their behavior on you for 12 weeks, but then it served its purpose and you might go elsewhere. From a business point of view, it might be a long-term modeling goal because business is quite long-term. So, you know, don't be afraid to kind of sit down, reflect, is this still serving my purpose? No, okay, move on. And, and that's okay. I think sometimes people are a bit too slow to realize when something isn't serving them anymore. And you just say, right, end of, move on. No, I 100% agree with that. That's what comes into topics as well, talking about like habits and like people pick up a lot of bad habits and routines. And obviously we both of what we do, you see that a lot with people's fitness lifestyles and the way they train, the way they eat. Like, do you have any anything you suggest to anyone to try and get themselves out of habits or maybe make themselves more aware of anything they are doing? So we talked earlier about kind of making to-do lists and prioritizing what you want to achieve. I think when we look at all the hours we've got available in a day, so let's say we've got 16 hours available, eight of them are in bed. Like what is happening with your work? What is happening with your family commitments, friends, or the rest of it? Cool. You've now, let's get, say, got five, seven, eight hours free. How are you going to spend that time? And the thing that people are struggling with is there's so much noise in the modern world with phones, social media. Um, it's kind of making everything fuzzy. Nothing's clear anymore. So because we're so attached to technology, it is blurring our timeline. So before, back in the day, someone would get up at like half six in the morning They'd go downstairs, make a coffee, make their breakfast, probably watch the news for 15 minutes, you know, do something. Then they'd be off to work. They'd get to work to half eight. They'll do their work. Five o'clock, they'd knock off. They'd drive to the gym. And like, there's no blurring of the lines in any of this time. Um, and now with the mobile phone and with social media, all of these things are getting slightly longer because we're checking our phone here, checking our phone there. You know, you might let's say we've got a busy student, the student that goes to sit down to do their homework. They've got two hours spare. They're like, Oh, just check Facebook. And then all of a sudden 20 minutes has gone past. Then their brains in this kind of jumping procrastination mode. And now they've only got 90 minutes to do their thing rather than two hours. So one of the things that I do for kind of productivity is, is it's like I plan my day out and I stick to every one of those time, um, blocks that I put myself into, including the time when I check social media. So I'll generally put like half an hour aside a day to check my social media and I'll check it then. And that's it. Like I might miss things. So fucking what? Like the other things in my life are more important. So the biggest hack for me is now controlling your time by controlling your use of your mobile phone, which I think is the biggest distraction we have right now. I'd agree with that. I think the issue now with technology is if you think about the way it works, particularly the way notifications come up, messages come through, email, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, it makes you reactive. So you're essentially like running on other people's time where I want to be proactive. I want to control and conquer and command my day. So that's why I have all my notifications turned off. I do like, as you said, I do what I want on my own schedule. So like people will WhatsApp me and I'll reply to them when I like see it fit being polite, like same with emails or Instagram messages. Like I think that's a very easy way to try and take some control back and not have such a reactive mindset as a turn a lot of your notifications off on your phone. And then also I'd probably try not to look at your social media probably for the first two hours of the day or your emails. Cause I think a lot of people have a bad, uh, myself including this, I struggle to not necessarily the best example of doing it. It's something I'm trying to, get out of the habit of doing is looking at my emails and messages first thing in the morning 
Um, I also had a bad habit a while ago of like I'd wake up in the night to look at what the time was. I'd see the email and then I'd be into it and then I can't sleep again because my brain's all lit up with thoughts about whatever. Um, so I think that's quite an easy way for you to try and get control back in your life and try and add some more structure and efficiency in is by just, as you said, just having more of a, a diarized system and thinking that you control your phone rather than the other way around. Mm, yeah, I do all of those things. I don't have notifications. Uh, I try and do as much as possible on like a desktop computer with my work. Yeah. Again, it's then faster. We're in the habit of using our phone, but actually like, I'm a really fast typer. Mm. So there's no point in me using my phone when I can type at like four times the speed. It's just inefficient, but we're getting in the habit of you know doing everything on our phone because it's just there. Um, ultimately, the thing that that stops with you kind of checking in all the time is you you don't do um, what they call well it's a famous book but eat the frog like if you're going to get up in the morning like what's the most important thing that day is your workout the most important thing you know should you prioritize it should it be the first thing that you do that day to make sure it's kind of like boxed off and in the bag and and that's where social media is getting in the way because we're not just able to prioritize the really big important things. And the reality is the things that are probably important need a bit more time, need a bit more headspace, need a bit more creativity and clarity. You know, it's not, they're not 10, 15 minute jobs. Um, you know, so when people complain that, you know, they lose focus, inspiration, motivation, they procrastinate it's because you're just letting little shitty things get in the way and you're not just getting stuck into the thing that needs to be done. Very, very interesting. You've got a very similar mindset to me, Ben, so I can see a lot of similarities there. How Have you always had this sort of mindset, or is this something that's developed through the years of experience and maybe working with different people? Or No, I've developed it. Um, it's like you. I'm an I'm a avid reader. I'm an avid learner. Um, I grew up when social media was getting big, so I started my first online business in 2009, that's when Facebook was then becoming like quite popular and everyone was talking about it that was young and stuff. So it kind of got integrated into my lifestyle and I probably let it control things quite a bit. But then back then we didn't really have smartphones. They were like just starting to come into the market. I couldn't afford one because I was a student. So I had to learn all these different things, but I've probably read like 20 different productivity books, 40 different business books, 50 different mindset books. So, you know, you throw enough shit at the wall and you start to develop tools and techniques that enable you to systemize and manage your life more effectively. I don't know if you do the same thing. What I love to do when I'm working is I like to have stuff on, on in the background because I feel I subtly absorb like little hints and tips and like mindsets. I like listening to, I don't know, people like Gary Vee or whoever it might be with like, a very positive mindset and like the go-getter attitude because I feel like even just listening and being around that sort of thing rubs off on you like even if it's just a little five percent every day that like accumulates over time yeah i don't like having like words in the background when i'm trying to do tasks where i'm trying to concentrate on my own words no maybe i'm just a bit weird i probably try to do too many things at once it's probably my uh... I, hate, I hate that i'd rather just focus i put music on but that's it ah, fair enough fair enough in in terms of your own development obviously through your own career through the nutrition what was the next standpoint? Obviously, you got your, your diet and everything kicked into gear. Did that give you the confidence then to go and like, run your own online business? Uh, so you've got to rewind a bit further. So I lost all the weight back in like 2004, 2005. Okay, a bit of a gap between the two. Pardon? So there's a bit of a gap between the two. 
Yeah, there was. Um, so I lost all the weight. I actually, I did a personal training course purely because I wanted to become more knowledgeable. I had no intention of being a personal trainer. So I did a couple of courses. The courses that I did were absolutely amazing. They really inspired me. I was kind of falling out of love with what I was doing because I'd done uh, acting for the first like 10 years of my life. All my teen years, I was an actor and I thought that was my kind of destiny. So that was when um, I, changed, I trained to become a personal trainer. From 20 to 21, I worked as a personal trainer for a year. And then I went to uni. And it was at uni that I just kind of tried everything. I was a PT. I did sports coaching. And I started a business. Like, I just did everything. And then over time, through trying everything, I was like, ah, this is really what I want to do. And I just, I just started to build an online business. And it probably took me a good three or four years to like really get to where I wanted to be. And at that same time I was, you know, doing all little side jobs like personal training and stuff. And then, yeah, I kind of went full time into the online space in about 2011. But, you know, to answer your original question, yeah, weight loss fueled my confidence because anyone that feels a lot better about themselves and their appearance is a more confident person. And then if you keep practicing things that challenge your confidence, so they're just small steps that put you a little bit outside your comfort comfort zone, you become a very confident person. And I use this example because I have a very vast background in acting training. And people are like, oh, Ben, that's why you're good on camera. That's why you don't mind doing all of this stuff. I'm like, no, that's, that's absolutely untrue because what, being um, in drama school teaches you is like almost all the techniques doesn't really teach you confidence when I was younger I had a lot of fake confidence when you're an actor you play the character of someone else so you're never yourself so I was a really confident teenager but I always felt I was like playing up to the part I was always being silly I was always the fat jolly kid at school that kind of just tried to deflect all the bullying that he got. And then I lost all my weight. And I remember really clearly I had to do a university presentation once. And it was in my first year. And I got up and I just had to be me. It was me on the spotlight. I was being grilled about what I'd learned and what I knew and what I wanted to change in this kind of project that we were doing in our sports degree. And I was shaking life like a leaf because I was up there being judged as me as a person and hadn't fully developed my confidence as me as a person. So I had to go through that journey of learning how to be confident as me and not playing a character. And don't get me wrong, my skills and my acting training help bridge that gap, but it's a totally different type of confidence. Yeah, I suppose the acting is almost just, it's just a charade. You're just pretending to be someone you're not, I guess. It, yeah, it was. I spent my whole childhood doing it. Uh, I can imagine how... I can, Almost, I guess, gives you like almost like an alter ego. I guess you probably try and flip into. And I don't know if you, you feel like, do you feel like you get that still when you go on camera or anything like that? You almost become a different person, or do you find it just you just bend and you're just normal? It's just it's just you now. No, I just think it's me. I'm. Uh, I, there's a running joke in our business that I, I pride myself on being a one take wonder. Like we'll turn on the camera. <laughs> Knowing speak. how difficult that is, it's. it's I'm, I'm about three take wonder now. So it's improved from about eight. Yeah, no, camera on, speak, done. And that's because I don't have to change anything. I know what I know. I know what I want to say. It's just a case of talking about it. The only reason I might want to take another take is because we're like, oh, you should probably say that bit with a lot more emphasis or like do an action or something like that. But I usually come out with what I want to say because 
I'm just being me and I know my shit. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Very, very interesting points there, to be fair. Your, um, your development where you came from was, is awesome. Do you find when you initially started, I can imagine it was probably a lot worse then, that a lot of people were maybe a little bit, like gave you a bit of ridicule, like, oh, why, why are you doing this, Ben? Why are you posting all this sort of stuff? Because I know like in my own sort of journey, like personally and for my own business, when I first started, everyone sort of ridiculed me. It's like, why is Charlie doing all this? Why is he posting all these photos, videos, putting all this training information out? Did you get much of that when you first started? A little bit, but people quickly learned that I was trying to do this for a reason. And yeah. I think if you stand your ground early doors, people back off and like, you know, if, if I'm posting something on Facebook and I'm like, this is my business, I'm trying to help people, I'm trying to put out a message, people will quickly learn like, oh God, I'm the one that's looking a dick here. Yeah. The thing that people don't realize, if you post something online and someone gives you hate, it's the perfect opportunity to turn that around to your advantage. Oh, I love it. Time, hate online is usually quite personal. It's usually quite unfounded. It's usually a reflection of how that person is feeling at that point in time. So I don't think I've ever had a hater or something online where I haven't been able to say, oh, thank you for that. Um, can I just ask a couple of questions based on what you've just said? What in your experience led you to believe X? And why do you think that seeing as X? And actually, when you become it from a logical and theoretical standpoint rather than an emotional and reactive standpoint, the chances are you will come out on top with, uh, with that haters comment because they will be coming at it from a um, reactionary emotional Emotion. angle and you won't. You'll stand back, you'll take a breath and you'll go, right, I'm going to respond to this comment. I'm going to kind of almost be professional and trust me, you'll, you'll always come out on top. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So that's a real uh, knowledge bomb for anyone who struggles with the same, not struggles, but has the same challenge sometimes. I always find it uh, entertaining when you go back with a response like that. And then you also end up with a wave of other people who then join in as well, who then concur with what you're saying. I think it's one of those things you just have to kill people with kindness when they when they try to be negative with you. Like for me, the one thing I can't stand in my life is any negativity. So anyone who is negative or has anything like that around them, I will just cut them off or just kill them with kindness to be honest with you 100 percent. and if anyone's listening to this and uh you you're kind of sitting there thinking oh i think the same like i hate negative people um like do you and do you actually change that there's probably negative people in your life now that you say you hate negative people but you keep surrounding yourself with them you keep spending time with them um and like you say no one really likes negative people no. So if you're quite negative, I'd probably look at the people around you and the relationships you have because you probably attract a lot of negative people as a result and you're just not seeing their negativity because you're being quite negative. Yeah, all, all blends in, all blends in. I don't know if you, this is something else that's probably like, was a massive life-changing thing that made a big difference to me was uh, no longer watching like mainstream news because that like that you will never ever turn the news on and watch anything positive. Like it's just going to be negativity. Someone, like if you're if you're in the UK or in London, it's like someone's been stabbed or something bad's happened. Like you're never going to hear anything that's going to add any or Brexit. You're never going to hear anything that's going to add any value to your day or like any positivity. So for me, that like as soon as I cut that out, um, that also like almost cleared my mind of just having like a positive aura around me. More if that makes sense. Yeah, I haven't watched the news or read a paper in. I can't even remember. Now and again, I'll pick up like 
a Sunday paper and have a bit of a flick through, like having a look at the travel section. But otherwise, yeah, I'd never really genuinely get anything from it. I kind of feel like I should almost keep up and just know what's happening, but it never really changes anything. And I'm like, I could have spent that time reading a book that I'm actually going to get something from. Yeah, and it's um, amazing. You suddenly realise how much more control you have of your own life when all this other stuff that's touted in the media is being important. If you don't know about it, if you have no idea about it, is it and it doesn't actually affect you, then why does it really matter anyway? Yeah. And if it's really that important, it would probably end up coming up in some kind of conversation somewhere, somewhere, and then you're like, oh, I'll go and check it out. Um, you know, it'll come up at a family dinner and you'll be like, oh, interesting. Tell me about that. And, but otherwise, meh. Do you, do you know there's a bit, a bit of a, talk about family dinners, a bit of a generational gap in terms of mindset and how people behave maybe with like obviously negativity and positivity. Because from a lot of what I see, I can see a lot of the older generations sometimes being slightly more negative than maybe some of the new the younger people nowadays who are more open-minded. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, we live in a different world now and I don't think a lot of older people have quite caught up with it. Um, you know, there's a lot, uh, the world just works so differently now. Like, you know, there's loads of people that have their own business now. There's loads of people that work from home. You know, there's loads of people that are working for startups. Like, you know, the business culture has completely changed. Like a lot of older people are used to kind of like that institutionalized kind of career pathway, you know, get a good job, get into management, get a house, get a car. Whereas today, you know, a lot of young people are not owning a car. They're renting a car or they're leasing a car. A lot of people don't want to buy a house. They're happy, you know, loaning it and, and paying rent and stuff because actually it doesn't stack up as being more financially beneficial. Like the world has changed a lot. And I do think there's quite a disparity. Yeah. I think it's one of the best, I can't remember the exact bits from infographics but it's like the biggest hotel company in the world is like basically airbnb and like they talk about like uber and all these like revolutionary companies that have now come about which like 10 15 years ago didn't even exist if you think even 10 15 years ago you didn't even have like the iphone and things like that like how the world has changed so quickly and human behavior has changed so quickly i can sort of maybe understand with why some of them maybe struggle a little bit perhaps mm. but you know, catch up, we'll get left behind. <laughs> exactly. Adapt or die is the, it's the way of life. And yeah. Animal kingdom, as it were. That's the animal kingdom. So have you got any other like mindset tips you'd like to add in for anyone, anyone else in here, Ben? We've had quite a few awesome bits and pieces so far. Yeah. Um, the chances are for people that have quite a big blocker on their mindset, um, you know, maybe something that goes quite far back into, you know, their childhood, their upbringing and stuff. It would be the best investment in the world to go get some counseling or coaching and get someone to help you really unwind all that information. You know, some people can read a load of health, self-help books and mindset books and kind of unravel it for themselves because the stuff isn't too deep. But as soon as it's a bit deep, I would go and get some coaching because the reality is, without your mind being in a strong and healthy place, you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve. Your daily thoughts control your daily actions. And if you've got some unhealthy thoughts, you'll have some unhealthy actions. So I think it would be very important to go and spend 50, 100, 200, 300 pounds on a course of coaching, counseling, you know, mindset work, because it will set you up for so much future success. I couldn't agree with that more. And I think from my my background from the fitness side of things from some of the more so the elite level 
I know fitness competitors, the higher up people tend to be, the more they tend to struggle mentally and probably need more of that counseling aspect. So I think that's some real, really like phenomenal advice there uh, for anyone who's struggling at the moment who needs any more advice. So thank you really so much for that, Ben. Um, and we'll start to wrap it up there. So we're coming to like just over 40 minutes. Um, so how can anyone find out about you, Ben, if, to get in touch with anything more about your speaking, your mindset, your podcasts, your coaching? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I assume people listening to this are into podcasts. I have a podcast. It's called Ben Coomber Radio. It's been around for over six years now, so there's an awful lot of shows there. So if you do hop on over, don't feel overwhelmed. Have a little pick and see if there's anything that takes your fancy. What's your favourite episode so far? Oh, mate, you can't ask me my favourite episode. <laughs> ask your favourite child. 150. Jesus. That is mental. Um, do you know what? You know, there's been some really good recent ones. Um, Ollie Ollerton, who people would have seen um, off the TV on uh, SAS Who Dares Wins. You know, oh, God. Um, oh, mate, it's tough. One of my favourite ever episodes was, um, oh, what's his name? He, uh, Training for Warriors, Martin Rooney. Okay. He's been in the fitness industry a long time. He's one of my favourite ever episodes. And it's because I just interviewed and chatted to him and he just fired me up like over Skype and I'm like if someone can do that over Skype imagine what they're like in person and I've never been able to see him in person because he never, never really rarely comes over to the UK and when he did he always used to go up to Scotland um why I don't know um like the rain <laughs> yeah who knows um so yeah uh mate it's tough yeah I've done over 450 shows now it's, it's quite a few to isolate one or two awesome human beings there's been plenty on uh, so that's awesome too. And also, I'll obviously see you in Barcelona at the uh, seminar that's going to be over there at the conference. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. What's not to love about some sun, um, bit of education and networking with people. It's good. It's going to be good, yeah. It should be an exciting time. So, absolute pleasure to say, Ben, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you next week in Barcelona. Yeah, definitely. And if anyone wants to reach out on social media, just put my name, Ben Coomber, into wherever you like to follow people on social media and, and slip into my DMs, as they say. Slide in. Yep. All right, cheers. Pleasure. Thanks very much, mate, and have a wonderful evening. Thank you, dude.